Welcome to Escaping Purgatory, a podcast where we rewatch Supernatural, then talk it through in the hopes that we can finally escape this show. Join us each week and leave comments on upcoming episodes, and together we can escape Supernatural Purgatory. Hi. Hello. We are back again <laughs> this week. <laughs> what? <laughs> As if time passes or something. <laughs> uh, and we are talking about season three, episode 15, penultimate episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, time is on my side. Yeah, I like this one. Nah. Oh, 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 it's going to be a controversial episode. <laughs> there was. To me, this felt like the writer strike episodes. Like the last one was, and then this one. Like there were a good elements of it, but I don't know. I was just like meh. I, I could have watched it too early as well. It was very. I started watching it at like six o'clock in the morning because I couldn't sleep. So <laughs> yeah, this isn't a morning episode. I'll be real with you. It's not. Um, I think this is one of the gorier episodes of Supernatural. Yeah, that we've seen in a while, yeah. Yeah, which I don't mind it. I know some people don't like it, but I don't mind it. It is a horror show, or like it was. <laughs> <laughs> it has its roots in horror. Yeah. It, it definitely showed back up again this this episode. We may be describing some pretty gross things, so just content warning on that one. <laughs> yeah, good point. I try and gloss over it as much as possible, but yeah, it's pretty gross. There was one moment in this that really made me jump and I like squeaked. I was like, ah! <laughs> But I'll tell you that when we come to it. I don't think there was any any bits that... Well, there was one. There was one, actually. It made me the same point. Oh, it would be funny if it was. Oh, yeah. I don't, look, there are, there are good points and bad points this episode. There are definitely lows in this episode. I mean, yeah. you know, the last 10 minutes. <laughs> the, to the last 10 minutes definitely felt like they could have been their own episode. Yeah. No, I agree with you. But, um, yeah. yeah. I mean, we'll talk about Bella. I have a yeah. whole, a whole thing, a whole thing on this. Yeah, it, it was badly done. Yeah, there, you're right. There are two episodes here. There are um, the Monster of the Week episode, and then that's how they dealt with Bella. And I think the Monster yep. of the Week was actually quite good. I agree. I think the Bella stuff is extremely poor. Yes, I also agree. So we are <laughs> actually in agreement. But I guess like the poor handling of Bella is what makes the episode so meh in my opinion yeah mm-hmm. like i don't think the the good of the monster of the week really outshone what they did with a recurring character in this yeah season. i can see it and like i don't think we're the first or the last people to get mad over bella i think this is well known in the fandom that her story was incredibly poorly written at the end i haven't ever talked to anyone who thinks it was a good ending for bella so yeah at least we can all agree on something. <laughs> That's very true. Uh, you know, we'll talk about Bella right at the end of this episode because I've, I've got stuff to say. I guess we can get into it unless there's something else. No, I mean, let's do it because I need to I need to get to the end of this episode so I can have a rant. I'm in full rant mode. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> we can, I think we can get through this. I said that last time, but we still ended up like talking for way too long. <laughs> Look, it's what the people are here for. This is true. This is true. Listen to this us. is what you get, people. <laughs> <laughs> so um i guess i'll go with the recap which it's more of this uh, basically the same things as before dean saying we've got a year to live so let's go kill some son of bitches and raise some hell then there's just a montage of 
them killing a whole bunch of monsters. We also then see Sam kill the crossroads demon. Mm -hmm. Then Bella's intro, her stealing the cult, and then Dean going over the fact that he's really scared in like the last bit of the last episode. Like, I'm the only one who can get us out of this and and me. <laughs> Any good music? I know what's coming next week, so I mean I'm like, Ugh. uh no, nothing nothing out of the usual. So then we go into this episode. It starts with two I assume plastic surgeons. Yes. Yeah, they're two plastic surgeons. They're coming out of the gym. They're talking about the fact that they're taking time off people's faces. I wonder what this episode could be about. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> okay, I will say that was actually really... I didn't catch the foreshadowing, so... <laughs> all right, okay, I like that. I do like that. <laughs> it's good, right? I thought it was good to have a plastic surgeon be the first victim we see. So, you know, he kind of goes to his car, goes to put his bag in, and then gets what I'm going to now refer to... In the, for the rest of time as the Crowley maneuver. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Where he gets like hit and shoved into the trunk of a car. We don't see anything that happens to him until he turns up at a hospital all bloody and he's like clutching his stomach. And the nurse, I don't feel like this is good medical practice. <laughs> Want, like wants her, him to like show her what's wrong. Mm-hmm. I feel like if someone's holding something so it looks like they're keeping something there, like maybe just like lie them down first. Yeah. <laughs> so of course, like he pulls his hands away to show her and something falls onto the floor um, and she screams. It's, it's kind of a blood splatter. I'm going to count it, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I said his inners became his outers. Worse. <laughs> but yes. <laughs> you are correct. <laughs> this episode only gets grosser, so we might as well just start there and just go with it. But, I mean, we don't see any of that, to be fair. That's true. Yeah, that is true. I mean, it's just it, implied. I would say, because I, I used to get really, like, about this kind of stuff I think if you want to watch this kind of stuff and you really don't like it the way I got around it is by imagining how they do the visual effects for it yeah me too um, and I find that really helps if you want to if you want to watch gross content like this <laughs> um, I guess that's a choice but sometimes like you know you really want to watch that movie that everyone's been hyping up about but you don't like the gore I, I you know I, mm -hmm. I find it helpful because sometimes I'm like I actually want to watch it for the plot line <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And there's two sort of two avenues, maybe mm -hmm. is the word I'm looking for. Yeah. So you've got the like the gore that happens in a movie, like yeah. just a regular horror movie, and it's just like yeah, it's kind of gross, but it's not the focus. And then you get the focused ones like Postal and Saw and stuff yeah. like that. That stuff I will never watch just because it's it's about the torture. I agree with you. Yeah, I don't enjoy movies like that at all. Yeah, I think we were talking before this, like, the podcast, and I watched Hostel with my mum, because it was on TV, and we were like, let's watch a scary movie. And I think it literally did, like, it scarred me. I didn't, I did not enjoy it. I still mm. think about that movie sometimes, and I watched it years ago, and I'm like, I should not have watched this. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm the same way with um, Alien. Like, I watched that way too young. Yeah. I was like six years old when I watched that movie. I should not have been watching that movie. You should movie. not have been watching that movie. <laughs> I, can, I can watch it now and I absolutely love it. It's a really well-told story. It's just like, that's too intense for a six-year-old to be watching. It's interesting what you, what you watch as a child and how it shapes you because I used to watch old episodes of The Twilight Zone as a child because they were on sci-fi, like way too young. And some of those really freaked me out. I mm -hmm. guess it's the same experience that a lot of British people have with Doctor Who where you watched yeah. it when you were a child because it was on TV 
and it was really scary to you like there's often a thing in like British culture where like older people say oh Doctor Who like I remember hiding behind the sofa as a child mm-hmm. and it's kind of funny how that's changed now because it's now it's a really family friendly show <laughs> yeah. but like the aliens used to be like really scary to children and they like purposely mm-hmm. made them so <laughs> um, it's, it's interesting um, but yeah that's that's how I got through this episode too because there are some gross things in this but I watch it and be like huh how how did they how did they manage to make it look like that on camera <laughs> yeah and I mean a lot of the stuff that they so they show some stuff but not everything yes um, which I, I appreciate I think some of the stuff could have gone really really bad mm-hmm. with this one yeah I agree um, the sounds were enough <laughs> yes, the sounds were enough <laughs> your, your mind fills in the blanks you don't need to see yes. it yeah exactly yeah, that, and that's definitely what happened with this this first bit as well like the sound of it <laughs> was enough <laughs> yeah oh man oh man oh man <laughs> so it that plate of spaghetti that just fell on the floor <laughs> it was blatantly spaghetti right spaghetti has that perfect kind of noise <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm so sorry. We start again. We started Christ. <laughs> we cut to Sam and Dean, and they are interrogating a demon in a devil's trap, very Meg style. I noticed behind the demon they have a fire burning. I don't know if it's supposed to be like symbolic of hellfire, but that's what it made me think of. I would say through this whole scene, Sam and Dean are like super cold. It's kind of scary to watch. This is almost like post hell Dean. Yeah, he's he's definitely the, there's nothing about how this demon is acting that says that it's the demon that's possessed him yet mm-hmm. because there's a shift that happens where you can definitely see like the demon like drops his act. Yeah. But up until this point, like the demon's like sounds human. I know yeah. that sounds weird because he's a human, but like the demon can like come in and out of consciousness, mm-hmm. right? Maybe that's what it did, or maybe it's just acting on that. Yeah, that they're super cold. I would like we're seeing all the parts of Sam that have been building through the season where he's kind of becoming more cold and um you know more ready to do kind of whatever it takes to save Dean Dean I think is getting more desperate which is why we're seeing this like side come out of him but it did really remind me of how he is in later seasons sometimes he's never really shied away from being quite cold with monsters I don't know there was something about the expression in his face I was like ooh ooh they are basically just spraying this demon with holy water and it looks painful because it's like burning and everything and asking who holds Dean's contract and the demon's just kind of like I don't know who it is I don't know who it is and then eventually like gives up and kind of goes quiet and then kind of lifts his head back up and is like I'm a demon I'm gonna be all evil now (laughs) that switch in like the whole like cocky attitude Mm mm-hmm because he's got like a big smile on his face and you know he's like oh he he makes your mum joke kind of thing <laughs> yeah which you cannot do with Dean Winchester oh no especially, <gasps> this, especially this type of joke he insinuates that he boinked his mum yeah basically <laughs> I don't know don't know why that term, that phrase came out I like out, the word boinked yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whatever <laughs> I'm sticking with it and then he like gets a right up in the demon's face mm-hmm. I'm like so Dean says I want a name or else and the demon's puzzle or else what your score only <laughs> worry in both ends <laughs> so I was just like what <laughs> it's like breaking the moment yeah absolutely <laughs> but it, it's cocky in a way that Sam and Dean are cocky when they're in this situation yeah definitely <laughs> it's how they write this kind of stuff Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, this demon's not scared of them, basically, because 
it's more scared of the demon that holds the demon's contract. Yeah. Essentially. So it doesn't matter if they hurt this demon or exercise him or whatever, because the consequences of telling them is actually worse. Dean looks to Sam to do the exorcism because he clearly still doesn't, hasn't memorized it, right? Of course not. <laughs> and I want to give Sam his moment to look cool. <laughs> and again, they kind of taunt him and say, you know, does that feel good, you know, being exorcised? And the demon's like, oh, this lie. So send me back to hell because when you get there, I'll be waiting for you with a few pals who are dying for a nice little meet and greet with Dean Winchester. Go ahead. Send me back to hell. Because when you get there, I'll be waiting for you. With a few pals who are dying for a nice little meet and greet with Dean Winchester. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Well, that line is very chilling. Mm-hmm. Conventions have ruined it for me. Because, <laughs> you know, they're like, you've seen the pictures of them, like, at the little tables with the little table with the fans. Yeah. That's exactly how I imagined it when he said it. I was just like, this, this tense moment was completely destroyed by creation. <laughs> just imagining, like, a little, like, hotel lobby table, and it's like, we've been waiting for you, Dee. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> We have so many questions. <laughs> we paid like $400 to be at this table. <laughs> oh, bless. I love that. Sam looks to Dean and says, like, should I still exercise this demon? And, and Dean says to send him someplace he can't hurt anyone else. Mm-hmm. But when he says this, like, so Dean's in the background to Sam doing the exorcism and his face is just... He's scared. He's got like a stony face on, but he's scared. There's a little lip quiver there, you know. <laughs> it's face acting amazingness. Yeah. It's like they got this demon. They thought they were going to get information, but they got nothing. Mm-hmm. It's sort of that loss of hope again. Yeah. And also like, you know, the reality of the fact that he's going to hell setting in and that he's going to have to face demons that they've exercised and all this kind of stuff and like what that actually might entail. It's all kind of hitting Dean all at once. And Jensen manages to convey all of that with like one facial expression. Yeah. And like, what, like two seconds? I know, right? Come on, man. Come on. I know there's a, there's a ton of projection going on here, but at the same time, to be able to project that onto somebody, they have to be a good vessel. Like, vessel, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say canvas, but vessel works too. <laughs> <laughs> They're in this like cabin, presumably where they were holed up, exercising this demon, and you know Sam's talking in a phone to talking to like a policeman or something he says about like lieutenant and asking about the the prince on something um as and dean kind of walks in as he's talking on this phone and asks you know sam asks him if he buried the body it's clear that he has because dean comes in like well sweaty (laughs) (laughs) um and like drinking a beer and stuff he can't he looks pretty tired also but asks about what that phone call was and sam's found a case not about a stripper suffocating someone with their thighs. Okay, Dean. I like how they both remembered that news story because he's like, no, not that one. Like the <laughs> other one that we talked about yesterday. Um, uh, what was the phone call about? Remember that thing in the paper yesterday? <sighs> stripper suffocates dude with thighs? The other thing. And so there was a guy, who, you know, he walked into the ER and, and died. The body was covered in bloody fingerprints that were not his. You know, Sam says that his fingerprints match a guy who's already dead. So it looks like a case. Dean thinks it's zombies. Gets extremely excited about zombies. As he always does. Despite them always like 
they they have fought a zombie before and it was like not fun in any way and he's yeah. like zombies <laughs> every time like every time there's a possible zombie he's like oh zombie you know what this this reminds me of like the lupus bit in house it is right it's, it's a bit <laughs> dean for some reason likes the idea of killing zombies what kind of zombie movies would he, he would have been growing up with night of the living dead right and yeah. all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. like the slow moving zombies so yeah that's true right there. um yeah dean's super hyped about that killing zombies but he's kind of like suspicious of why sam would want to go on a hunt right now um because he says You've been on soul-saving detail for months now, and we're three weeks out. So we find a timestamp. Finally! Oh my gosh, a timestamp in Supernatural is like finding gold. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of, what do you care about zombies? What do you mean? Well, you've been on soul-saving detail for months now, and we're three weeks out, and all of a sudden you're interested in some hot zombie action? So yeah, three weeks away from the D-Day. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, so he wants to know why they're going. Sam kind of turns it back on him because Dean's been all like let's hunt everything so Sam's like I thought you wanted to hunt everything and you can't really say like oh yeah but it's only three weeks away and I'm real scared Sam like maybe we should be doing just demon stuff for now because that's not who Dean is is it so they're gonna go yeah yeah I I do love how Dean's like hey no 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 I didn't say I didn't want to do it I just want to know why you want to do it (laughs) it's so like I'm not talking about my feelings let's talk about your feelings it's just it's so silly there are some really good interactions like this this next one mm-hmm. so they they're gonna go do the hunt obviously yeah um and they're in the coroner's lab you know they're they're asking about like did they find teeth marks and all this other stuff and the coroner's just like not having it he's like <laughs> did you not read my report like he it was surgically cut out like what are you talking about yeah the liver was not ripped out it was removed surgically by someone who knew their way around a scalpel mm-hmm. and Dean's like of course you did it was a real it was riveting it was a real page turner <laughs> and the coroner just doesn't believe them at all <laughs> the man just says please go away and they both respond with okay and sure and that's the end of that whole scene I'm like that's amazing that's truly that's truly amazing I really enjoyed that you're done I think so please go away okay sure I love it, and I'm completely on the coroner's side here. As someone who writes reports and expects people to read them, if you come to me and ask me stupid questions about things that should have been in the report, I'm going to send you away. <laughs> Especially when it's something like a teeth teeth mark versus... Like, that would have been in the report. Yeah. No mercy. <laughs> he calls them morons. He's like, oh, you're cops as well as morons. <laughs> no, I love this. It's great. The, the coroner guy, all the awards. He looks so done. And so they're outside the hospital... And they're like, okay, I guess, like, it can't really be a zombie because, you know, the whole scalpel thing. I don't know. Sam makes some giant leaps. Because he's like, okay, so it's not a a zombie. Maybe we're on the wrong track. We should be looking at for hacked up corpses. Mm -hmm. And then he's like, well, maybe we should look for survivors. (laughs) But that's because he knows. Yeah, that's true. He knows what's going on. And, like, we're so used to Sam making, like ridiculous leaps like I didn't question it at all and neither did Dean <laughs> no not at all and, and I was like well if it's organ theft why is this a supernatural case right exactly <laughs> because Sam knows he's Sam a sneaky knows. boy <laughs> yeah I'm guessing um, Sam and Dean were not having a good day because the patient's not having them either yeah <laughs> right <laughs> he's just like 
I dealt with the cops yesterday. I don't want to talk about this. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, can you tell us what happened? And he's like, I don't remember a thing. I woke up in that ice bath. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because this dude got his kidney stolen and he managed to survive. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah. Why does he have to talk about it over and over again if he doesn't want to? They're here asking him questions. They li- they clearly look like they're 12 dressed in suits that don't quite fit them. Yeah. Why would you take them seriously with their FBI badges? <laughs> I, I like the line of like, uh, Dean saying to the, the guy, do you remember anything about the surgery? You know, what the guy looked like? Any details about the room? And the patient's like, hmm, let me think. Yeah, one thing is coming back to me. You know what I remember? Getting my kidney cut out of my body. <laughs> Love it. Let me think about that. Yeah. One thing is coming back to me. You know what I remember? Getting my kidney cut out of my body. I love it. Like, they're not having any luck with this case or any of the people no. on it. Like, everyone's sick of their shit. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Maybe the coroner and the patient are related in some way. They have the same grumpy, like, <laughs> Leonard McCoy gene. Um. Yeah. I mean, also, like, I, I completely understand that. Like, you, I mean, you, you can live with one kidney. Mm-hmm. Like, people do it all the time. But it was still but, yours, and it got stolen. <laughs> yeah, no, the whole situation. And, like, without anesthesia, by the sounds of it. Oh. Like, yeah, no, that doesn't sound like a good time. <laughs> so... They're back at the motel. Sam's researching. Dean's eating a burger. I was really happy with this because he does the exact same thing that I do when I get a burger and like turn it the whole way around to see which side is like the best <laughs> side to start eating with. And I just watched him do it and I was like, oh yeah, I do that. <laughs> do you do that? Do you turn your I burger? Do. Yeah, right? Yeah. Because you, you need to know which side everything's going to pull out of. So you got to yeah. eat that side first. I just love, I don't know, I just love that little attention to detail. Just like, oh, you're turning the burger. I don't know what it was. <laughs> It makes him like an actual human. I think that's what it is. I think so. Because no one just picks it up and bites it. No one does that with food. They, everyone, like, if you're eating something, you you pick it up and you look at it first, right? I don't mm-hmm. know. It's just a... Anyway, I liked it. <laughs> Small moments. And Sam says he's got a theory because he always has a theory. And um, he said, I talked to Mr. Giggle's doctor. Um, okay, fine. And he said that his incisions were sewn up with silk. And this turns out to be like a really old technique from mm-hmm. the 19th century that like used to cause infections. So that's why they don't use it anymore. One way they could keep these infections from spreading is maggots. And like Dean's like, I'm eating, please stop. <laughs> uh, I love this because Sam has such like a look of glee while he's like explaining all this like really gross medical stuff. Mm-hmm. You could see explains that like maggots eat bad tissue. They leave good tissue. Interestingly, they do actually still use this for some infections. Yep. Um, Burn victims. Yeah. They also do stuff like use leeches and things as well. Um, yep. There's a lot of like old-timey medicine that you consider you know, to be long gone that people still use because actually it's the best you know, way of doing things, really. Exactly. And it's not like they just... They're like medical insects so they're you know they're kept in sanitary places they're not just like dug up out of the dirt they, yeah they don't go to the swamp and pick up some leeches like, that doesn't happen they're like born and raised in a lab in like a yeah, sterile environment like, yeah. he, he explains that this was used on this guy I'm not going to go too far into it um, and Dean like continually says like I'm eating <laughs> and, and then but then he kind of says something pings in Dean's mind he's like why does this all sound super familiar some people are getting ganked. Yeah. Right? Little antiques road show surgery, some, uh, some organ theft. Why is this all sounding familiar? Because you heard it before, when you were a kid, from dad. 
Sam says it's because it's from dad and his journal. Ooh. Doc Benton. So Doc Benton is a real life doctor who lived in New Hampshire. He was also an alchemist. And then in 1816, he stopped because basically he had become immortal. <laughs> right. He's like Nicholas, Nicholas Flamel from Harry Potter. He'd done the thing that he was trying to do. No one heard from this guy for like 20 years and then suddenly people started showing up dead because although he was immortal, his body was still aging. Mm -hmm. So basically this guy had to replace parts like on a car. (laughs) Um, And I wrote here like, oh, I see what they're doing. He's Dr. Frankenstein and the monster. Oh. Oh. Yeah, it was working because he, he was still alive. Um, and eventually John hunted him down and removed his heart to try and stop him. But then Sam says, well, I guess he found a new one and carried on fine. Really interesting, though. I, I, I thought about this. If the guy clearly can function without a heart, like th- there's a lot there's a lot in this. And it varies very confusing because mm-hmm. he can't die, but his body is degenerating, which kind of puts it. Maybe I'll talk more about this, about what happens to this guy. Yeah. I'm like, there must be a point where he's not alive anymore. <laughs> yeah, there's there's definitely some very unanswered questions with this particular monster. Yeah. Like, I, I have one thing really bugged me about this. Okay. I'll get to it when we get to it. Okay, okay, okay. So Sam knows where he's going to be because of Dad's journal. He likes a cabin in the woods, very, you know retro um near a stream or a river to like get rid of body parts and (laughs) sam's smiling while he's saying all this disgusting stuff because he's like you lost your appetite yet and dean like looks down at the burger and says like oh baby i can't stay mad at you (laughs) oh i love this (laughs) lost your appetite yet oh baby i can't stay mad at you the thing is like for everything that they deal with, that really wouldn't turn his appetite off, surely. No. Like, Sam was doing all of this to, like, get under his skin. Because mm-hmm. I'm guessing, like, he gets tired of Dean's, like, shit. I mean, yeah, <laughs> totally. We're now at night and we're following this jogger and he has one of those, like, heart monitor things. You can, like, hear it beeping. Um, and he's jogging and then he stops, looks at his monitor, ties his shoes, sees it's undone, and then gets chloroformed. Look, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Chloroform doesn't work this way. Doesn't work this way. Doesn't work this way. Doesn't work this way. Do you know how long it takes to knock someone out with chloroform, even if it's on a, like, handkerchief? Way longer than this. (laughs) I don't know. I have no clue. I do have another question for you in particular um, later on. I know exactly what that question is. And I've already discussed it with my husband, who... (laughs) (laughs) We are science nerds. We have discussed it. And we both decided, yes, it's rubbish. But I'll talk to you when we get back. (laughs) Okay. I'm glad because I was like, I'm pretty sure this is not. No, it's not. Don't worry. There's several reasons why. (laughs) (laughs) one being like evaporation is a thing anyway right yeah anyway we'll get to it in the motel which is they're staying in the eerie so they've got this map which i first of all what is this map (laughs) yeah they've looked at maps before that have looked like maps this looks like a map you would get when you like arrive at a holiday park Mm -hmm. maybe that's what it is i mean okay fine sam's found some cabins awesome good job sam and they're just about to go when Bobby rings. <gasps> Bobby's called and he says he thinks he's finally caught up with Bella. Bobby says Rufus Turner. He's a hunter or he used to be. 
um, and that he's a hermit that lives up in Vermont. And he's, uh, Rufus has said to Bobby that a woman got in touch and wanted to buy some things and she'd used an old alias. Mm-hmm. Dean is somewhat suspicious that she's used an old alias that they've gone to someone who may or may not know Bobby. Yeah. Bobby's like, well, it's, it's unlikely. They haven't spoken in like 15 years. And so Dean's like, okay, we're going to go. We're going to go to Vermont. That's what we're going to do. Bobby then tells him to take a bottle of Johnny Walker Blue. Yeah. Some good old whiskey. I, I thought it's really interesting this interaction they have here because Dean's like literally getting on his jacket as he's talking to Bobby, like, let's go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like getting his duffel bag. And yes, yeah, Sam doesn't want to go because Dean's like, he literally says, clock's ticking, we got to go. Um, and Sam wants to stay and finish the case. It's, it's really interesting where they think this, the, res- the resolution to this lies because Dean wants to go get the colt. Dean basically wants to go down swinging. He's always said this. Mm-hmm. Like he said this in a previous episode. I wish I could remember which one. But, you know, he thinks if he can get the colt, he at least has a chance to fight at least till the end and, you know, not kind of give in to fate. He can try and fight against it. Whereas Sam eventually gives up that he knew about this case all along from the first yeah. kind of moments that they, they went on it. He, he wasn't completely sure, but most of the things confirmed it. He, what he's looking for is time rather than a weapon because he wants to make Dean immortal. Which is wild. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, this kind of goes, you know, what I was saying last week with trying to find other solutions. Mm -hmm. Like, they could have taken his soul with the Krakota thing. So now he's, you know, Sam has changed his his options. And, you know, I I wonder if this is like, because the case came up, he thought about it rather than like, actually, this is a solution. (laughs) I... I think so. I think it's opportunistic. I, I, yeah, you know, I don't think Sam was out there looking for this specific case. He might have wondered about it because maybe it's coming up to the 20-year mark of this cycle, this Doc mm-hmm. Benson guy, um, but was like, you know, happened to hear about it. It is interesting to me because I don't actually think immortality would solve this problem because who's to say that the demons couldn't take Dean's soul anyway and leave mm-hmm. his body? I mean, we don't know that yet in canon that that can happen that your right. body can live without a soul. But what's interesting is this plan had worked. I don't think it would have actually solved the soul issue. Yeah, no, I, d- I don't think so either. It's not true immortality either. No. Like, we don't really know what is actually keeping this guy alive. Exactly. I mean, they kind of allude to it later, but we never find out the answer. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a formula, right? Exactly. There's some good lines here, you know, because Dean accuses Sam of lying to him about zombies. He, Sam says, like, I was trying to find some answers. And Dean says, no, what you're trying to do is chase Slicey McHacky. No, all you're trying to do is, is, is chase Slicey McHacky here. And to kill him? No, you want to buy him a freaking beer. You want to study him. Um, and kill him, which I feel like was Boaty McBoatface before Boaty McBoatface. <laughs> Slicey yeah, McHacky, so. like... <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that. also because like they both go on to do like slasher movies yeah. in 2008 too. yeah <laughs> this is funny Dean becomes Slicey McHacky <laughs> you're right actually yeah oh I love my Billy Valentine actually I need to rewatch that you know Dean says like you forget that if I welch on this deal you die guess what living forever is welching and Sam's like fine I'll be immortal too then Guess what? Living forever is well. Fine, then whatever the magic pill is, I'll take it too. Oh, what is this, Sid and Nancy? Kind of reiterates that he wants to go and get the cult, kill the demon who owns the contract, end this thing. 
Bobby agrees with Dean, which I didn't know. We haven't really known that before, but he says like, mm-hmm. it's like Bobby's been saying. Um, so clearly like Bobby's up on the, up on, up on this plan. Because they don't have any idea, Sam asks that. And, and Dean kind of reiterates what I was saying about going down swinging. He's like, well, if I can't find who does it, at least I can kill some hellhounds. And then they like split up. I died. It was the worst time. Like, it almost feels like they're saying goodbye, right? Because they are. You know, Dean's worried about Sam going to get killed by this Doc Benton in the woods. Sam's thinking if Dean manages to find the cult or doesn't manage to find the cult, like, what if they never meet back up again after this? It's only three weeks. Mm-hmm. Like, who says we're ever going to find each other again after this? Like, this would literally be the last time they ever see each other and they're arguing about it. The the How Sam says it's like, how are you going to stop me? The look that Dean gives him is like, I guess he, he's so bewildered by it. Like, he he doesn't understand why Sam's not on board with going after the cult. It's like... I, I, I read this moment of like Sam pushing back on Dean's like whims. It's mm-hmm. kind of like the moment you like have a kid and you're like, oh no, I've, this is this person's a fully an adult now. Yeah. I, I think that was the, the moment that Dean was going through with Sam. It's like, oh no, he's he's no longer a child. <laughs> he's like, you know, he's actually challenging Dean at this point because mm-hmm. he does look quite shocked. But then at the same time. I mean, of course, like, you know, last week's episode was not great, mm-hmm. but they split up in that one too. They have different methods, but they are aiming for the same results. Whereas in the last week's episode, Sam was going after the monster of the week purely to just go after the monster of the week. And Dean was going to try and like find the solution that quote unquote John gave him. It was a, it was a similar situation though. You're right. You know, Sam was trying to solve the case, and Dean was trying to solve the demon situation. In this case, it's just more extreme because there doesn't seem to be any like coercion involved. It's just showing that they're kind of they are splitting apart like ideologically because normally mm-hmm. Dean would be ready to save these people ahead of himself. He actually has finally shifted into caring about himself more than others for like you know three weeks. <laughs> yeah, and also I think revenge is more mm. is more on his mind than himself actually because it's a chance to get the cult back. And he already told him that like she has the cult and he can kill her. Mm-hmm. It's a win-win. I think that's what he says. Something like that. Dean, there's no way she still has the cult. That was months ago. She probably sold it the second she got it. Well, then I'll kill her. Win-win. That's on his mind. Like, kill Bella, get the cult. We talk about why he's so mad at Bella, and I think we'll get to it. I don't know. It was. It, it strikes it's, me as weird. It is it's a little extreme for mm-hmm. what she... I mean, yeah, she's done some pretty bad things, mm-hmm. but I don't think she deserves the level of violence aimed towards right? her. Right? Yeah, it's, it's super... <laughs> I don't know. It's like out of character. We'll get there. So before they leave, obviously, they, they have to have, like, a moment because Dean turns to Sam and says, like, Sammy, be careful. And, and Sam says, like, you too. And it's like, ah! Do you think um, that's a bit of, like, a, a lovey bro? You too. You know, you have a huge fight, but if it's the last time you're possibly going to see each other, you can't let it end like that. It, yeah, it's almost like, you know, yeah, love you, bro. I do like that. It is. Sammy, be careful. So we get to meet another one of my boys <laughs> because I truly love Rufus and I'm so sad he's only in it for like two seasons. 
Rufus just answers the intercom by saying, what? What? Hi, uh, uh, Rufus. Yeah, even if I am. The question is still the same. What? Dean confirms that it's Rufus. So Rufus is like, okay, even if I am, the question still stands. What? Dean says, I'm Dean Winchester, a friend of Bobby's. So. (laughs) Uh, I'm Dean Winchester. I'm a friend of Bobby Singer's. So? You called him this morning. So? You called him this morning. So? (laughs) And, like, Dean doesn't know how to respond to any of this. And I don't know why. I guess because he's not face-to-face with somebody. It's just, like... There's a there's a CCTV camera that's faced at him. He's just talking to an intercom. Like, he can't be charming. He just yeah. has to, like, give answers. And I guess he doesn't like doing that. That's totally it. Dean can't rely on his charm here. You know, he's yeah. come up against an immovable object. <laughs> <laughs> Rufus is not giving him anything. Yeah. Not a single thing. And he says, look, man. And then Rufus opens the door and is like... Let me point something out to you. You're knocking up my door, so don't look, mammy. I'm not your man. Let me point something out to you. You are knocking at my door, so don't look, man, me. I'm not your man. I There's something about that <laughs> just resonates with me. <laughs> <laughs> just like, if you're coming to me yeah. for something mm-hmm. and I don't want to do it, yeah. you can go bump off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's so true. Um, I don't know how they, they establish really quickly that Rufus's color is blue. Have you seen, like, did you notice this? He was wearing a blue shirt. He had like a blue a cereal bowl with him. When they, they have like drinks and the glasses are blue. Johnny Walker blue. I don't know what it is, but they very much firmly decided that Rufus's color was blue. That's true. I didn't actually make, make that connection. Mm. I don't know what it means. Easy to- <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it means either. I have a suggestion, which I'll bring up in a moment. So Rufus explains that like Bobby called me, asked if a Bella Taba ever came calling, if, it, if he got a whiff. He got a whiff. I called. He the end. Like that's it. Mm-hmm. And then Rufus wants him to leave, and Dean's like, "Well, it's a shame because I have this drink, and like, <laughs> what am I gonna do?" And he changes his mind. <laughs> He's got like this huge grin on his face. It's amazing. I love the smile. <laughs> yeah. So they're then inside, and they they have drank more than half of this bottle. Now I don't know. I've never. I didn't look at like look at how much alcohol is in the Johnny Walker Scotch, but I'm pretty sure it's pretty high proof. Like it, it's gonna get you drunk, and yeah, neither of them are that drunk. Yeah, they don't seem that they don't seem that drunk, and because they're drinking that neat, there is no there is not a mixer in. <laughs> They were just straight chugging it. That tells you about how much both of them drink. Absolutely. That is definitely very telling. I feel like they quote unquote act drunk with each other, but I don't think they are. No, no, I don't think so. I think their tolerance is very high, which you're right, says a lot about how much they drink normally. And we kind of have alluded to that before that like Dean definitely has a drinking problem. Yes. Um, even before he went to hell. With with my colour theory thing, so saying that Rufus's colour is blue as they're sat down here, you can see his desk in the background and it has things like an American flag, it has a computer, it has like a baseball and a, like a roller decks of cards. Now on the wall, um, there's like two framed badges and one kind of looks like a sheriff's badge, I thought. So I wonder, although they never say it, I don't think, I wonder if he used to be law enforcement, which is why they're like been, blue. Could also be Navy as well. That's true, yeah. It's just the badges. The badges make me think he's like a, used to be a cop. So, yep, yeah, they're drinking. They're both talking about how good the whiskey is. 
Dean says it's a nice change because most of my whiskey comes from a plastic jug. I've never seen whiskey in a plastic jug. Is that an American thing? I have no idea what he's talking about. Maybe this means fair. moonshine. I can see moonshine being in a plastic <laughs> yeah. jug. So, yes, Bella was here and Dean asked where she is now. And then Rufus turns the tables on Dean and says, why are you even asking? You've only got three weeks left. And Dean's like, what? <laughs> no such things. I love Rufus. He's so like straight and like, he just, he just like, yes, gets to the point of like, mm-hmm. look, I know things. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I know things. That I know a lot of things about a lot of people. And he's like, that Pichur isn't going to save you. Yeah. Because he, he, I feel like, he yes he's referring to the cult Mm -hmm. but i think he's talking about all their weapons yeah especially with this next the line that he says because he says that's the job kid even if you've managed to scrape out this one there's going to be something else down the road folks like us there ain't no happy ending or we we all got it coming folks like us there ain't no happy ending we all got it coming this so succinctly tells you about what the show is about because at this point we haven't really seen this in effect because the first season was finding john Mm -hmm. right and he's just a human whatever the second season was about finding yellow eyes which okay he's a powerful demon but not that powerful Mm -hmm. and then this one this season you know it's not quite the same it's all just about dean going to hell yeah but then after this the big bad just keeps getting bigger (laughs) right i I think Rufus knows that hunting is a death sentence. Yeah. You're right. It might not be this thing that gets you, but it's going to be the next thing. You manage to get out of this one, it's going to be the next thing, and the thing after that, and the thing after that. Even if you get out of it, because he says, like, I'm what you've got to look forward to if you survive. I'm what you've got to look forward to if you survive. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Rufus clearly, he doesn't look like a happy man, <laughs> right? Yeah. His his house is in a bit of disarray. Like, he has files everywhere. Like, he's still working. Like, he's still hunting, although he's, like, not supposed to be. You know, he's clearly drinking. So even if you manage to get out of hunting, which Rufus clearly hasn't completely done, he's still in contact with Bobby. He's still dealing with Bella, etc. Mm-hmm. What do you have to look forward to after that? Because probably most of the people you know have died because they're also hunters. Mm-hmm. And you end up alone, you know, trying the best you can to help other people. But it's kind of a, you know, kind of a sad, <laughs> a sad ending. This is what, this is why it makes Rufus's, I'm, I'm going to talk about it a little bit, but why it makes Rufus's ending in the show actually worse. Because yeah. he tried to get out and then was pulled back in and then died because of it. Mm-hmm. And he knew that was going to happen. Like he says here, you know, there's no happy ending in this. Like yeah. he, he, know, he knew if he ever got back into hunting, I think he knew that he would be killed. At the same time, I think he's not happy either. That's true. It's either be not happy alone or hunting with other people. And I feel like the hunter mentality is to go down swinging. Like yeah. everybody wants it that way. And unfortunately, he d- he does go out swinging, but not in not in the way that he would hope. Yeah. Right. And I'm just going to say this point one more time because I've said it multiple times before. This is why it would have been better to have a different ending to Supernatural because they would have bucked the trend. Yeah. Right. Because hunters know hunting gets you killed in the end or all your friends die and you've got kind of nothing left to fight for. And then the show proved it right. So yep. we get this really short scene with Sam. He's pulling up to like the map area that he looked at. 
and gets out of the car and like the one detail I liked about this is him like turning around to like lock the car because you never see that like they never lock the Impala <laughs> a boop, boop. Yeah. yeah I love that too I, I agree with you um, then we're back at Rufus's place and he gives Dean the location of where Bella's staying this next thing <laughs> I knew let's put it this way none of it's true none of it's I don't true. know what Sarah Gamble was on what are you talking about like what is who she just you? made up the whole thing about British, like, forensics. Surveillance. They could have gone with facial recognition. Yeah, because we do have that. Okay. I think where this has come from <laughs> is that there was very much a vibe, I feel, from the rest of the world that England has incredible surveillance of their citizens compared to other countries. There's a lot of CCTV cameras in the UK. That is true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there are a lot. Compared to America, there are way more CCTV cameras in the UK. But nowhere has a database of your ears. <laughs> yeah. So apparently ears are as unique as fingerprints. I mean, maybe that might be true. I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I don't know enough okay. about ears. <laughs> okay, we'll give them that. And the American courts aren't into it, but the UK people, absolutely. And like... I know of zero just... people who have been convicted on an ear print in the UK. <laughs> <laughs> also, how does this take into account things like ear stretching? You know, that was a really big trend at the time of this episode. <laughs> what, what if your hair is over your, over your ears, like all the time? Should I be wearing my hair over my ears? Are the British government looking at my ears? Oh. That's private, guys. <laughs> They have your whole entire face, but not your ears. Not my ears. They're private. It's nonsense. And I I love it because it's just, it's clearly nonsense. But he could have even said like, oh, I tracked her face through Interpol. Like, do you know, that would have actually been like a legitimate thing. Like, oh, it makes total sense that Interpol would know about Bella because it's a, like, you know, European agency. Oh, an international agency. Yeah, international. Sorry, the name is in the name. Um... This whole ear thing, I was like, what? What is this? Because at first I was like, the way it made it sound was like fingerprints were comparable yeah. to ear prints. Yeah. Not like ears themselves. That's what I thought too. So I was like, they're not like, you know how they ink your fingers? And like yeah. Do I was like, they don't like roll on the ink to your ear like when you, <laughs> when you get um, booked. <laughs> they don't do that. Do What's that. funny to me is I was like... The only time I've ever been fingerprinted is entering America. <laughs> so it's not, Me too. Me too. Yeah, right. It's not like the UK is keeping like a massive database of all our fingerprints and air prints, apparently. <laughs> I don't know. But apparently it worked because you all, Rufus needed was one clear shot of her ear. And obviously with the surveillance cameras, he had that. And now he has 10 pages of confidential files on her. And the file that he hands over is the thickest paper I have ever seen for <laughs> 10 pages. <laughs> One more point on this. Bella yeah. nearly exclusively wears her hair down. Yep. Was she, when she gets nervous, she does Oh, she does do the her. tuck. Yeah, the nervous yeah. tuck. So Sam, Sam enters the cabin. He finds the dead body of the guy who had been jogging earlier. And like, we don't go through it because it's kind of gross. He got his heart taken out by um, Doc Benton. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's um, super gross. It is very gross. Um, um, 
I did make a point of saying, oh no, not an episode where people are literally losing part of themselves. Like, could we be more on the nose here? Especially the heart. The whole scene that they focused on was literally having your heart ripped out. That's yeah. definitely not saying anything about what's going to happen later on. Because <laughs> we all know Dean and hearts. Look, yes. <laughs> I'm here for it. Uh, he finds this guy who obviously clearly died from this procedure. Mm-hmm. It was gross. I will say one thing. Like, yeah. He's covered in a sheet and his like chest region is all covered in blood. Yeah. And Sam goes to check his pulse. <laughs> Look, he's an optimist. We established this. That's very true. <laughs> um, Sam finds a woman who's had like her arm cut open. I, I'm not sure what for. Maybe tendons or something. Something gross. It, to or me, skin? it looked like he was trying to take the skin. Yeah. I mean, the, the Doc Benton looks like Frankenstein's monster. He's all like a patchwork man. Yeah. So yeah, that would kind of make sense, I guess. You know, Sam's kind of wake, Sam kind of wakes her up, but is telling her to be quiet. This bit was actually really tense. I found it really yes. like really tense because the doctor shows back up while he's trying to keep this woman like calm and quiet after she's just woken up to this like horrific thing happening to her. You know, the doc's coming closer and closer. And I actually felt like, oh no, Sam's going to get captured. <laughs> um, but luckily as the doctor comes in, they're gone. But he notices there's a window open. Sam saves the day. He saves the woman and puts her into his car. He goes to start the car and then the doctor's there. He kind of like, managed to grab Sam and like hit him against the wheel and stuff I don't know why I think Sam's just so badass in this I think that's why mm-hmm. I like it so much she's just like shoves the doctor puts the car into gear and then like hits him and then the guy kind of like gets back up again and they do this really funny thing that they kind of do in like western movies where they kind of like zoom in on Sam's face he kind of narrows his eyes slightly <laughs> like, oh yeah he's gonna run him over <laughs> <laughs> so this is the only jump scare that I got is when he smashed the window oh, open. Oh, no, this was not the moment for me. I knew he was okay. going to catch up with them. I wasn't expecting the glass smash. And I was like, yes. oh, God. Yeah, that, that's, that's what got me. So, I mean, he fully runs him over. Um, yep. But obviously we see this guy get up as the car goes into the distance and his, his neck's broken. And he okay. kind of like um, fixes it back into place. We, we see Bella um, go yep. to, into her hotel. And Dean is there waiting for her, being super aggressive. I'm not here yes. for it. I'm not actually nope. here for it. He points a gun at her. He kind of like frisks her as well to find out if she has a coat on her. She claims that she's sold it, that it's gone yeah. across the world. He's super, he's mad. He's looking around the room, trying to find it, pointing the gun at her basically the whole time. She does try and sneak out and he like shoots next to her in the door. First of all, she must be staying in a really dodgy hotel for no one to come and check on that. Like, right. seriously, right? Because <laughs> he's there for another, like, full, at least five or ten minutes. Mm-hmm. And no one's, like, even shouted, like, hey. You know, like, anyway. Yeah. So he continues looking and she reiterates that it's gone. Eventually he gets mad enough that he points the gun at her head and basically threatens to, like, like he's threatening to shoot her. Bella doesn't believe that he's going to do it. She says, you're not the cold-blooded type. And Dean says, you mean like you? That's true. See, I couldn't imagine killing my parents. Are you going to kill me? Oh, yeah. You're not the cold-blooded type. You mean like you? That's true. See, I couldn't imagine killing my parents. 
And Bella's shocked because she, he shouldn't know this about her. I don't think she thinks anyone should know this about her. She's clearly yeah. like tried to bury this. And Dean says that when she was 14, her parents died in a car accident that was very suspicious, like a broken brake line that mm-hmm. then sort of set on fire. And it turns out that her name is actually Abby and she had inherited a lot of money from her parents being in this car accident. And we kind of get this flashback. It's very much implying that Bella was abused as a child. Yeah. Like that, that's the only thing you can take away from that flashback, mm-hmm. which makes everything that happens to her super crappy. And yeah. the way Dean treats her is awful. And like that might not have been in the file and he might not know, but like he should understand in some way, like, I don't know, like the fraught relationship you can have with your parents, even if it's not that extreme. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and, like, he doesn't take into account, like, how does a Mm 14-year-old, a rich, entitled 14-year-old, know what to do? Like, cut brake lines? She's not Dean Winchester. She she did not work on cars. No. He clearly thinks she's just some, like, rich, entitled brat, right, who killed her parents for the money. Which is such a judgment to make on Dean's part. He knows nothing about her other than what he's read in that file. I know they've had interactions that have been, she seems very money-orientated, but she has eventually come around to help them. They've worked on stuff together where they've helped people. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not all been bad. But yeah, he makes a snap judgment about her and basically seals her fate, essentially. I didn't quite understand this. Maybe you have a take on this. Mm. But she decides to lean into it. Yeah. And says, yeah, they were lovely people and I killed them and I got rich. Do you think she's baiting him because she knows what's going to happen? No, I think it's... Uh, I really don't. I think it's almost like... She's throwing it back at him. Like, do you really believe this about me? Also, she in no way has to share what happened to her with him. There's no, she doesn't need to justify herself in this. They've, they've written him like he's expecting her to like blurt the whole truth about what kind of, what happened in order to justify her actions. But she in no way has to do that. No. And I think for Bella, she's tried to distance herself from that part of her life for years and years and years, right? No one knows about her. She's changed her name. She's changed where she's lived, all this kind of stuff. She's clearly tried to distance herself away from it. And maybe this is the story that she tells herself, you know. I don't know what the flashback mm-hmm. was supposed to do. How does us now, like, knowing her backstory mm-hmm. change anything in the rest of this episode? Yeah. It doesn't. No. If anything, it just makes you more annoyed mm-hmm. of how, like you said, how Bella was treated yeah. throughout all of season three. Yeah. I agree. What they've done is they've like taken a strong character and then they've painted her as a victim in order to have her like crying and pleading in the last scene. That's how I feel about it, actually. Mm-hmm. And I can understand like why people, you know, why people get so annoyed about this because it doesn't change the way the other characters respond to her in any way. It's just to make her like a tragic figure. And right. that's not what this should be about. <laughs> that's not how you should like portray these kinds of stories, I don't feel. Her her story doesn't make sense, mm-hmm. really. They had to kill her off. Yeah. They figured, let's give her a demon deal. Mm-hmm. Let's give her a reason why she would do a demon deal, which yes. is abuse. Mm-hmm. Hopefully everybody's fine with it. The way that I would have seen her actually making a deal is for something that she wants mm-hmm. that she can't get herself. They could have fully leaned into her like Catwoman right. parallel. Bella's shown as, as being kind of out. She is shown as being out for herself and, you know, trying to build a nice life for herself, etc. Which I actually think makes quite a good character. I really enjoyed her. Like, I really enjoyed her character in that aspect of her. For the same mm-hmm. reasons, I kind of enjoy Catwoman, actually. Like, yeah, do what you want, girl. Like, you know. Um, 
But they could have fully leaned into that and, and have her make a deal, not maybe fully realising the repercussions of it. Because she's supposed to be 24 now, right? I always read her as older anyway. They could have had her as Dean's age and made a, a deal at like, tw- you know, tw- 18, 21 or whatever mm-hmm. um, for that kind of reason. But you're right. They're just trying to justify why they're killing her off. And they wanted to give her a demon deal in order to do that. So they came up with this, this kind of this backstory. There's just, I don't know. There's just no need for it. They didn't need to kill off Bella. That there's actually no, no that, even if they weren't going to take her character into the fourth season, there was actually no need to kill her off at all because she could have taken the cult and run right she could have like it there's a lot of uh, they needed her to take the cult okay just have her take it like it's just <laughs> like, I mean, she, she she still could have done what she did with the cult mm-hmm. you know lean into that self-serving character aspect yeah so she gave the cult to we find out it's lilith yeah in exchange of her like having free freedom like demons are not going to go after her yeah that right that works as well without her having made a deal i don't know and i just i i I feel like it adds a tragic aspect to her character that was never fully addressed so it didn't necessarily need to like be written in that way and then to have Mm -hmm. the other characters treat her so badly the thing is if she's if she's a survivor of abuse right and she clearly has lived a very independent lifestyle from that time on right Mm -hmm. where she's looked out for herself and she seems very self-protective she doesn't she doesn't go seeking help from anybody at all and at the end of this episode they basically say like well if you'd asked for help we would have helped you know we would have helped you i i don't like it i don't like the message because it's basically saying like well it's your fault you should have asked for help and i think it's really toxic really a poor message on anything because that's actually not what this should be about at all like Mm -hmm. It's victim blaming. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, I get really mad. I, I got really mad at it when I mm. with that, for this final scene of this episode, which I know we're not there yet, but I feel like we should talk about it now. We'll, we'll definitely come back to that because we will kind of. I feel like we're going to go off on a really big tangent yeah, if fine. we get we get into that because I have some other things to say on that too. And okay. it's just so yeah, super mad about it. I mean, we're not there at the end of the episode yet, which is more to get mad about. Um, so. Um, <laughs> As Dean leaves, um, Bella manages to drag something out of his pocket and it's the receipt for the hotel where um, him and Sam were staying. And she picks up the phone and says, you know, it all worked. So Dean was right to be suspicious of her in the first place and Mm -hmm. says Sam wasn't with him, but now I know where they are. It worked. He found me. No, Sam wasn't with him. But I know where they are. Sam's in the motel room. Dean calls him and, you know, they have a little bit of an exchange. They didn't get the cult. He didn't kill Bella. I don't know. I don't... I don't feel sympathy for Dean on this. No, none at all. all. (laughs) Like, I I feel like that's what they were trying to go for. Like, oh, I'm such a hero because I didn't shoot a woman. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) Dean. Like, wow. I didn't didn't kill a person out of cold blood. Oh, I hear. (laughs) You know, Dean is now scared. He says, I'm really screwed, Sammy. It was a wild goose chase. The cult's gone. Sam brings it back and says, hey, look, well, I found benton's journal and that he he has the formula dean then asks him if he killed benton yeah he said no but he found the book has a formula and it's not black magic it's just science okay sure 
Sure, it's just science, Sam. That's how science works. You can live forever by replacing body parts when your heart's not working. I mean, kind of. (laughs) Not forever, but you can definitely extend. Look. Okay, but you can't do surgery on yourself. No, 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 no. (laughs) But Sam can't really read the formula. Like, he doesn't quite understand it. But as Sam's talking to Dean, he gets bopped over the head by the doc. This made me jump. This was it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know what it was. I don't know what it was. I was like, ah! (laughs) And he drops the phone and we hear Dean on the other line saying, Sam, Summer. Well, I mean, look, look, we're we're not in the clear yet. There's still things that I don't get. Sam? I have to ask, so Sam's read this book and he's like, I have the secret to eternal life. <laughs> does this mean that Sam has a secret to eternal life? No, I'm just asking. Does Sam know how to, to like make people immortal? Well, so he can't read it. So that's what, that's what he was saying. He didn't understand like what some of the formula meant. He says, because he says, I, yeah, I have a formula. Like I, there are some things, still things I don't get, but like, it seems like he understands most of it. I'm just saying. Yeah. There are people later on who would be interested in that formula and nobody ever asks about it. But I feel like it's funny if Sam just has a secret to its immortality that's in his brain through the whole of the like, other, like, I don't know, what is it now? 12 seasons? It just never tells anyone. Yeah. He knows it, but he doesn't know it. But he also knows where it is. So I'm just... All I'm saying is, Rowena would have got that information out of him somehow. Oh, yeah. She would... Oh, yeah. Oh, she'd be all over that. Like, But she has magic, so she doesn't need science. Oh, see, magic and science. Where where do the two intersect, Annabelle? This is true. Where, this is very where, true. You know, I feel like... Mm, I don't know. Rowena probably wanted that book. I can't believe she's just hanging out with Sam and he had the secret to eternal life in his head the whole time and she didn't know. She didn't know. <laughs> That's so funny. I know, right? I mean, let's, let's be real, Sam forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just oh, it's it's yeah. Oh, this next scene. Look, look, look. I can't deal with things with eyes. Just no, not generally, but things happening to eyes. So I just mm-hmm. so Sam is strapped to a table. He's got his eyes taped open. Mm-hmm. Don't like it. Dot Benton knows everything about him because he also stole John's journal along with Sam, <laughs> which is so funny to me. He just knows everything about them. He's saying why he's taped Sam's eyes open because he needs to replace his own because he's got kind of like one cloudy eye that looks... Mm-hmm. The other one's sort of shut, so they need replacing. Um, and he says, your father cut out my heart. Not touching that one. And... um. <laughs> And he said, so you can understand the joy I felt when I read all about myself here in this journal. Kind of makes this whole thing feel like some kind of family reunion. And then he gets this, like, melon baller. I'm so glad it was CGI because it really took me out of the grossness of the moment. Mm-hmm. And it was, like, really bad CGI. So I was like, oh, thank goodness. I don't actually actually think about this eye thing. <laughs> I am going to think about it for just one second. No! Why, Annabelle? That thing was hot. Yeah. Why Sam, Sam would have been blind in that eye. Why has he still got an eye? He could have had a cool eye patch. Yeah. We could have gained an eye patch in this episode. What a missed opportunity. And it was at this point that I was like, burn the body. Right. Burn the body. Like, 
burn the body. They should be dealing with Doc Benton like he's a zombie. Cut the head off, you know, yeah, burn. Same, same flower. Like, it, lots of things. Lots of things. Dean obviously turns up in the nick of time because we can't have one of our main characters with one eye. <laughs> the continuity alone. Can you imagine they accidentally oh, yeah. switched eye patches one episode? Like, would, the mayhem it would have caused. Um, <laughs> it was a mirror episode, guys. They're in the mirror dimension. <laughs> <gasps> they never really did that. I'm really sad they never leaned into a mirror-verse episode. They kind of did. I'm not counting the French mistakes in the Mirrorverse episode. There was not evil versions. They didn't have beards. Um, so <laughs> They had just snooty versions and they oh. had weird haircuts and scarves. <laughs> I love, like, I don't know, privileged sanity. I kind of yeah. Who are still alive? Um, that is canon and live in that universe. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so... Dean turns up, shoots the dock. He doesn't go down because he's a zombie. Come on, Dean. You wanted to hunt zombies and now you're shooting this guy in the chest. What are you doing, man? It's, it's a headshot. Everybody knows. Everybody knows. <laughs> so eventually, he, the dock gains on him and Dean manages to stab him through the heart. I don't know why I'm putting emphasis on this. It means nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Especially in this episode. He's stabbing him through the heart that he replaced after John rips it out. That's something. That's well, something and about. <laughs> it's nothing, but also it's something. Start to get a red string out. You know, the doc says, what part of immortality don't you understand? Pity about the heart. It was a brand new one. Pity about the heart, though. It was a brand new one. Good. Should be pumping nice and strong. And he's right. This is the look. I knew you were yeah. going to ask me about this. I'm just going to go into it. So Dean says it should be pumping nice and strong and he holds up a bottle of chloroform that he put on the knife to stab him with. Just a moment of silence for chemistry here. (laughs) And physics. So there have been two very glaring errors in this episode. Ear detection and chloroform. The way that I understand, I don't know anything about science, but the way I understand chloroform is that it evaporates when it comes into contact with air, essentially. Yeah, it's a solvent. Yeah. So, okay, one, chloroform smells extremely strong. So he would have known. I mean, maybe his old place smells like chloroform. That's okay, I'll let that one go. Secondly, as soon as he put it on that knife, especially if it was like, um, you know, I mean, it's a knife. It's a, it's, it's, a, a, it's a flat it's not surface. A spoon. <laughs> right. It would have immediately have evaporated off. I mean, actually, chloroform is quite dense, so it probably would have just dripped off and not stayed on there at all. It's denser than water, chloroform. Mm-hmm. So, if you, it, so there's no way there would have been anywhere, anywhere near enough chloroform to knock someone out on that knife when he stabbed him. I don't even know. I, I, I don't, what? <laughs> Like, there could have been anything else. Like, at, at first I was like, oh, okay, so he's probably poisoned it, right? He's poisoned it with something, like a, a, a belladonna. He could have poisoned it with belladonna. I don't know, just something else, something else, like, I don't know, something else. There were, <laughs> there were so many poisons that were used in 19th century surgery that would not be touched today, that are going to be in his house. There are, there are several things. First of all, if the guy can live without a heart, why is chloroform even going to affect him? No. Why would he even think that it would? Why would any poisons affect this guy? You literally just stab him in the heart and he's still walking towards you. 
it's just yeah. just what look I'm just, just, I have to suspend my disbelief because like, I was watching this episode and my husband was kind of like casually watching it behind me and we both looked at each other and went, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which is a good, good, good reaction. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, Doc Benton collapses, Dean wins. This, look, this is Chuck's writing. We know yeah. Chuck's not a good writer, so I mean, he would believe this or, or allow it to happen. Like, how dare he? <laughs> The doc wakes up, he's strapped to an operating table, getting his just desserts from Sam and Dean. He's kind of also like pleading with them as well to let him live. Um, Mm -hmm. But Dean's, again, they're very cold, like they were were in the beginning of this episode, and says, you've been killing people for over 150 years now, and now you've got a request, like, be quiet. Please. Please what? You've been killing poor bastards for over 150 years, and now you got a request? Shut up. The doc offers to help them with immortality, you know, because mm-hmm. he can read the formula. He says, forever young, never die, which is a huge lie. Yeah, like, you're the evidence, pal. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't look young, mate. You look, you're like the leather face, like the original leather face. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, mm-mm. I do like this, like, little head tilt that they do to, like, get, like, I need to have, have an aside. <laughs> yeah. Like, come over here. Um... And Sam's like, hey, you know, you're in hell in three weeks, but, you know, needing a new pancreas in half a century is not that bad. Mm. The thing is, with their contacts and stuff, they could probably procure organs. I would say, with current technology, I think this is actually a good shout, because who knows where medical technology will be in 150 years. They may be able to just grow a pancreas. (laughs) You may not even need, like, an organic one. Yeah, exactly. You might even be able to, like, (gasps) 3D print it. Robot Sam and Dean. Beep, boop, beep, boop. <laughs> I like Metallica. <laughs> People are going to be like, who? <laughs> Sorry. I where that robot voice came from. <laughs> it was great. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, Sam, Sam still wants to do it because he's like, you know, three weeks. We have three weeks, man. Um, this will at least give us time to figure out what's going on. Dean doesn't want to do it because he says it's not living. Just and true. he actually says here, like, it's like he's been listening to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> he says, to me, this is simple. It's black or white. Human, not human. Dean, don't you want to live? What he is isn't living. Look, this is simple. Simple. To me, it is, okay? Black or white. Human, not human. And then he says, the doc is a freaking monster. I can't do it. I'd rather go to hell. I was like, oh, yeah. Thanks for listening. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Our job here is done. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) See you forever. No. Um, Doc is Benton is like, oh, you don't understand. I can help you. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they chloroform him again. Yeah. And then he says, we're going to go take care of this guy. Help. You can either help or not. It's up to you burn the body this is when i was like why are they not burning it what this is where an explainer would have been nice right sometimes you need one and this is this is a time yeah because we see doc benton he like strikes a match he's Mm -hmm. obviously not afraid of fire because and why does he have a match i don't know he just does (laughs) turns out he's in a box of some kind maybe like a fridge i think it's a fridge and oh i thought about this I thought that's a lot because it's essentially like the Malik box situation. 
right? Mm, yes. Um, and I, oh, this is one of my, this is, this is one of the things I'm just like, no, I don't like this. I didn't like the whole Malik book storyline for the same reason, because it's just like horrifying to me. I wonder if Dean ever thought about this when they were going through that whole plan and like remembering what they did to Doc Benson and thinking what that must, must have been like. And I don't think so. Oh, um, no. I, I, the, the writing content like is it's not. It's not like, Look, it's not the writing's not good, but the character is. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I feel that's yeah. True. They are just going to bury him alive. Yeah. Okay. So okay. Right. Let me bring up my final problems with this monster of the week. <laughs> <laughs> because at what point? Because they've they can't they've established that his body deteriorates. That's why he needs to keep replacing it. But there must become a point where it deteriorates enough to not sustain him in some way so what would happen did he become a ghost like i don't there must be like you said like oh yeah they could have just like burnt his body or whatever like a like a zombie but like Mm -hmm. there must be some kind of level of deterioration that eventually would happen in the fridge that means that he wasn't alive anymore the, the immortality doesn't make sense he can't be immortal he can't be fully immortal yeah no because if he was he wouldn't have to replace parts yeah that's not immortality it's no it's just invulnerability it's different Mm -hmm. (laughs) they could have added a line saying like so he truly isn't actually immortal he's just invulnerable right that would have actually made this whole like i wouldn't be having this rant right now (laughs) (laughs) because he's not in that box forever no no he will die absolutely he will die all we know is that it's a formula but what does the formula do it's science, Annabelle. You're not supposed to understand it. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, in a supernatural show, clearly they don't understand science. <laughs> I mean, look, the chloroform thing has just no... It's just not... I have no faith that they will ever get science around this show anymore. No faith. So as we zoom out, we see the fridge jangling and mm-hmm. the book is there as well. So they're burying the book with, with Doc Benton, which, I don't know, I would have kept that book. Yeah, well, I get, uh, maybe they didn't want it to get into, like, the demon's hands or something. Then burn it. Why are you burying it for? Since the doc has matches, do you think he ju- he would just set himself alight? Oh, that's, that's dark. <laughs> I mean, because he, it's clear that he doesn't feel anything. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Maybe that's the end of the situation. I don't know. Uh, I, I don't understand why they didn't burn the book or, like, destroy it in some way. Unless maybe they were hoping that someone's going to come across it in another hundred years and figure out how to fix Doc Benson. Maybe they're doing some kind of, like, cryo thing on him. I don't know. I don't know. This episode does Look, I like this episode starting, and now I'm like, this episode's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> so, sorry. Like, my viewpoint has actually taken over. Yeah, I didn't like this episode. <laughs> There's so many things that don't really make sense that happen, and none of it really gets explained. Like, the monster's not really dead. Mm -hmm. I don't know why they didn't just burn the body. I don't know. Burn the book. I mean, this is definitely leaning into them being very cold, because he's, like, yelling and screaming at them, and they just fill up the grave. But also, we do know that Dean thinks fire can solve problems, so I feel like the fire thing would have been in character. He burnt mm-hmm. down Hell House for no other reason than it might work. <laughs> so, <laughs> if the house doesn't exist, the top of cat exists. Right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's the end of Doc Benton for now. They could have done a follow-up on this. Maybe they did. I can't remember. I don't know. I have some kind of vague inkling that they do, they do but maybe I'm just misremembering. 
Yeah, we'll Maybe see. you're hoping. I think I'm hoping, <laughs> you know. Okay, end of this episode. Oh, yeah. First of all, they should have called this episode Two Minutes to Midnight. It would make sense, and it fits nicely anyway. Um, so we see Bella, and she goes to um, a locked door. She picks it. She gets a gun out, and she shoots the two beds that look like they have people sleeping in them. It shows on a clock, like a radio alarm by the beds, that is four minutes to midnight. And as she pulls back the covers to check what she's done, she sees a blow-up doll and another one on both the beds. Mm-hmm. Um, the phone rings, and she picks it up. It's Dean. I guess ringing to taunt her. I, why did he call her? Like, I don't know. I've said some stuff already. But, you know, he says, fun fact, I felt your hand in my pocket when you swiped that motel receipt. And Bella tries to say, like, you don't understand what's going on. And Dean says, oh, he understands perfectly. I noticed something interesting in your hotel room. Devil's shoestring above the door. And it did point that out when he was with her, like, mm-hmm. so it could, like a branch. And he said, it's for holding hell- hellhounds at bay. So you know what I did? I looked at your folks a bit. Turns out they died exactly 10 years ago. You didn't kill them. A demon did your dirty work. You made a deal, didn't you, Bella? And it's come due. Again, he's making a lot of assumptions here that, you know, she didn't want to kill her parents herself, so she got a demon to do it. Mm -hmm. And the flashback kind of shows that's not the case either because the demon's in the form of a girl younger than her and is kind of offering her a way out essentially yeah, yeah. and i mean a 10 years to a 14 year old seems like a really long time it really does mm-hmm. it really does one thing i want to point out as well this devil shoestring never brought up again nope no idea where that came from because all they've ever known is goofa dust which they don't know how to make mm-hmm. how the hell do they know what it was I can only assume that in the time they've been looking to help dean they came across it one time but they never explained it and they never use it again never use it again so yeah we we get another flashback and like i said bella's there and what happened (laughs) because bella is not integral to the supernatural story in any way Mm -hmm. for her to be deserving of a demon crossroads demon specifically because they have the red eyes yeah to come visit her i think the kind of vibe is is that crossroad demons just prey on vulnerable people which, you know, Bella's made out to be here. And they're opportunistic. So we saw that with the original Crossroads Demon episode that they kind of like were summoned, but then made loads of deals with other people just because they had the opportunity to. That's true. So someone else could have summoned it. And yeah. then they, yeah, okay. All right, I'll give her, I'll give you that one. Yeah. Mm. Dean accuses her of stealing the cult so she could try and get out the deal, like our gun for your soul. And Bella says, yeah, that was the deal, you know? And then once she'd handed over the cult, they did what most like loan sharks do and changed the deal again and said mm-hmm. that now she needed to kill Sam. Not just, not Dean, just Sam, which I guess kind of points to who it is. Mm-hmm. Um, again, Dean's really unsympathetic and said, oh yeah, demons are untrustworthy. What a shocker. That's kind of a tight deadline too. Look at that. It's almost midnight. Like, really unsympathetic. Like he is facing the same fate as her. Yep. Uh, he is scared of it and yet he's like taunting her in her last minutes of life I'm, I'm not here for this Dean I don't like it I think he's awfully written here and it's cruel to the point of being out of character but it's not no because the idea that he, so okay he's he's forgetting that she's 14 mm-hmm. that for some reason that's not connecting which I don't agree with but it's the idea of killing 
your parents, which yeah. is getting to him because he's all about family. So the, the concept that somebody would allow a, de- a demon of all things mm-hmm. to kill your parents yeah. is what is the, the thing that's getting to him and the reason why he has no sympathy. Yeah. It still doesn't, it still doesn't really make sense. Um, because like, I mean, I agree with you. Bella has no reason to tell them the full story Mm -hmm. and he shouldn't be making these assumptions about her. What's interesting to me is that Sam never steps in in all of this, Like they're Mm -hmm. in the car. I think, I think Sam is driving. I'm not sure. Might be doing driving still on the phone. Um, I'd like to think he was on the phone and driving, but it probably is. I feel like they should have involved Sam in this. It's interesting that it's between Bella and Dean. They were very much trying to set this up as a romance and they're kind of like killing that dead. Yes, right? absolutely. But I feel like Sam's generally the voice of reason and he says nothing about this or like, you know, how Dean's reacting to Bella. Mm-hmm. You know, because Bella starts crying and says like, she, you know, I need your help. And he says, sweetheart, we are weeks past help. <laughs> Dean, listen, I need help. Sweetheart, we are weeks past help. I know I don't deserve it. You know what, you're right, you don't. But you know what the bitch of the bunch is? If you would have just come to us sooner and asked for help, (laughs) we probably could have taken the cult and saved you. And Bella says, like, I know I don't deserve it. Dean's like, you know, you're right, you don't. But he said, if you had would have come to us sooner and asked for help, we probably could have taken the cult and saved you. Which is what I was saying earlier, that I really don't agree with this line because it's blaming her for her own situation. And also, she has no reason to go to them. No. Why should she trust them at all? Every every time they've interacted, Mm -hmm. they have threatened her with death. Yes. Every time Mm -hmm. they've interacted for screwing them over. Yeah. Which is a really big overreaction. Yeah, it really is. Okay, yeah, like... You don't like her philosophy. Mm-hmm. Fine. You don't like that she's still from you. Fine. You do not get to decide that she's worthy of death. And this is exactly what this line is. Yeah, it is. And ba- they are basically saying that, that, you know, she dug her, ho- her own grave, essentially. So mm-hmm. they're not going to do anything to help her. I mean, it's I mean, too late to help her at this point. I do understand that. But this phone call is unnecessarily, like, taunting and, like, it's awful, generally. He had a better understanding mm-hmm. of the guy with the goofer dust. I can't remember what his name, the artist. Yes. He had more respect for that guy mm-hmm. than he does Bella, who's actually helped them yep. a lot. Exactly. Did this, I, hmm. I, think, I think part of it is because he, she did take away the cult and the means to kind of get out of this deal. But mm-hmm. I, again, I don't think it warrants this response. It's, it's, it's like a bummer. But it probably yeah. wouldn't have saved him anyway. I, I don't know. I know it sees, he sees it as his only, like, his last chance, I guess, the cult. So I get, you can kind of understand the anger of her stealing it. That would, that would have a big reaction. But I still don't think this is a proportionate punishment. No, not at all. <laughs> right. I mean, even in Bella's last moment, she actually helps them. You know, owing to the point that she has helped them in the past. You know, mm-hmm. because she says to Dean, like, I know about your deal. And Dean's like, how do you know about that? And she says, the demon that holds it, she holds mine too. She holds every deal and then names her as Lilith. So, hey, we were kind of right. We were asking, like, I couldn't remember who it was. And we were like, Alistair Lilith? Okay, yes, Lilith. And Dean says, Lilith, why should I believe you? At this point, Sam does look at him like, what, Lilith? And Bella says, you shouldn't believe me, but it's the truth. And um, Dean questions why she's helping them. 
And she says, like, you know, because, like, maybe you can solve the problem. Like, I don't understand why he's questioning. The thing is, he's got such a low opinion of her at this point that her even helping them in her last kind of moments in any way it just seems outrageous. And it's just, mm-hmm. it's just such a, I'm so mad at it, Annabelle. I'm so mad at it. Yeah, and and there's no there's no reason for it. The idea that he could be grateful for the information mm-hmm. is beyond him. That's what it kind of comes comes to and it's not right Bella definitely deserved more than this yes I would have have liked to like I said she did not need to be killed in this they could have just not written her back into season four yeah and like have her come up in like season five and then they could like argue this out there, there's a lot of things they could have done like she could have been killed for her, through her association with the Winchesters and kind mm-hmm. of showing what a big deal you know they were to the demons I know that would have been kind of like killing her for man pain which we generally frown upon <laughs> like, um, <laughs> but you know like through her association with Lilith you know or Lilith finding out that, that she knew them because she was targeting people that had, had contact with them um, you know look at Victor and what happened with him Mm-hmm. Um, they, she essentially, you know, used. I mean, Bella helped set that up too. That could have been a whole thing. Like, how long has Bella been associated with Lilith for? Maybe she had set them up to be arrested so they could be found at the police station. That would have been an interesting twist, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so they could have had her actually become an antagonist, right? Yeah. Rather than draw, like getting this line between, because they were almost becoming friends at one point before she saw the cult, they were almost becoming friends. They could have made her a full antagonist by her properly going over to Lilith's side, mm-hmm. and then I would have accepted that if she'd never just been in season four again. Um, well, and also, like lean into. So we already know that you know witches make packs with demons to yeah. get their power. Mm-hmm. Turn her into a witch. That would have been cool. She, she was already halfway. Oh, not halfway there, but she was already somewhat there because you know using her magical spirit board that can speak to very specific spirits <laughs> right <laughs> I, I just feel like there's a lot of things they could have done without making her like a victim yeah but then they like to do that to women on supernatural they like to make women victims on supernatural like yeah it starts with mary and just continues on like jess and all these all these women in supernatural so far reoccurring ones because Cassie wasn't a victim. Cassie was pretty badass. That's true. Cassie's- Sarah wasn't a victim and she was pretty badass too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the, the reoccurring women in Supernatural. The representation, the actual representation. Yeah, actually having, women. you know, women in your ensemble cast. Again, it just makes me think of Charlie. I, um, I, I'm well, more angry about Charlie still. I don't know how we're ever going to talk about that without me fully like shouting into the, into the mic. <laughs> but it's the same kind of, I don't know, I feel the same level of like disrespect for the character almost. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, Charlie is really different. Truly a beloved character. Um, yeah. Whereas I think I feel like people's opinions on Bella while this season was airing was very mixed. But I think everyone agreed in the end that her ending was bad. <laughs> yeah. Especially in retrospect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, thinking of other recurring female characters, we only have Ellen and Joe. We haven't seen them throughout the whole of this season, so we don't nope. know how they would have been written. Mm-hmm. Um, and no one really questioned why they weren't in it. You know, again, they could have just done this with Bella. Just not, they've already done it with two women in the show, so why not on third? I, I mean, the re- I guess the reason why we didn't really hear from them is because they don't have a, a base anymore because the yeah. roadhouse is gone. Well, you could do the same thing. Bella just lost everything to the demons or whatever. Like, on I don't the know, run that- from Lilith because, you know, she didn't manage to go through with the deal they'd 
like come up with I don't know there's lots of things they could have done without killing her anyway yeah well look there is one thing that we can take away from this is that Bella is currently thriving because Rowena's now in charge of hell and there's no that's way true. she would have let that slide so that's very true <laughs> yeah the, they end the phone call with Dean saying I'll see you in hell yeah. which she doesn't <laughs> yeah and we see Bella just like listening to the dial tone set the phone aside we hear the like hellhounds in the background mm-hmm. um, then it fades to black or cuts to black yeah episode done it's a uh... They could have done something because when a character doesn't die on screen doesn't mean they, they're dead. Oh, yeah. Look, if Victor Hendrickson's death is open for interpretation, Sarah Gamble, <laughs> <laughs> then if you don't explicitly show it on screen, I'm taking everything ever that happens in Supernatural open for interpretation because yep. she said so. Yeah, I, I think, well, yeah, we'd be mad about it. It's, it's, it's a good setup, I guess, for the next episode because we have the threat of hell. We have the threat of Lilith. No cult. No Bella to help them. Um, you know, we've got um, Rufus now who may be a help, but I don't think he's in the next episode. Um, and we've got Bobby. It's kind of like saying there's no hope going into the finale of this season. And... Um, yeah, I kind of like that, I guess, because you want to see what's going to happen. This this episode was disappointing. Um, it could have easily been two episodes. I feel like we should have explored Benton's character, Monster of the Week, more. Mm-hmm. We definitely should have explored Bella more. Yeah. There was no reason for her backstory to be so tragic. Yeah. No, it, it, her backstory could have been the same. Yeah. I know. I know. We've said there's no reason for like she has no reason to explain herself because she she doesn't need to. But it would have been interesting if she had mm. at some point because I do feel like that would have changed their opinion of her. And I don't know why they couldn't have sympathy for Bella. There's there's no reason why in my mind that they had to treat her so poorly. Again, I don't really know what lesson. What's the takeaway? right what is the takeaway you don't know what people are going through so you shouldn't judge them which is true but i don't feel like that's what the majority of people would take away from this episode no not at all like that's it's not what the the characters learned the characters learned nothing yeah us as people as the audience might have done that i wonder if there are people who were like happy because there were obviously the people who didn't like bella and how the like relationship yeah between her and dean this was this was definitely just killing it dead like yeah it was absolutely like there is there were never going to be any lost feelings between them Mm -hmm. like dean just shut the door on that and said no exactly and I, i do i wonder how much it was in reaction to fan response at the time because we know historically especially in these early seasons the female characters who were introduced as love interests on this show were not received well by fans and you're right maybe they were just killing that relationship absolutely 100 percent animosity between them she's gone big partly because of that response um which is not great <laughs> no, it's, it's, i find it disappointing that it was a female writer who wrote such a disturbing female character ending yes it's not good representation um then again sarah gamble loves to write tragic women like look at faith 
I think generally what I found with Sarah Gamble's writing is she likes to write tragic stories generally yeah. I, do, I do think that I, I don't think specific, I, I agree you're right I, I don't necessarily think I, I'm going to argue a little bit I don't necessarily think this is poor represent. I don't know is it is it poor representation I think it is because they couldn't just let a character be self-assured and like I don't know it, there's I, so I, the, it, it's very hard to like pinpoint what exactly is wrong with this but I know something's wrong with it so I think the thing that gets me is that Bella goes into that room mm-hmm. so confident yeah right she goes in there does the task is done and then she talks to Dean on the phone and she's then crying and upset there's nothing about Bella's character mm that makes like even when gordon was waving the gun in her face she didn't break you're right yeah and i think it's her breaking that doesn't make sense i think she as much as she hates hunters she has the hunter's mentality yeah of like wanting to go down swinging mm-hmm. and they did not give that to her yeah which she deserved yeah okay i'm with you i'm with you yeah uh well, I think we could probably talk about Bella for like hours. Probably yeah. will talk about more in our season wrap up too. But I mean, we have the finale coming up, which is going to be a super long episode too. I'm sure. Yes. Maybe. I'm thinking about what actually happens in the episode. I'm like, maybe it won't be that long. <laughs> I, I'm sure like how we feel about it is what's going to be. That's true. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no rest for the wicked, as you well know, is the episode name. To, to end on a bit of a lighter note oh yeah let's do it just say that like Sam's hair is getting better <laughs> <laughs> I actually disagree I'm, I'm sorry <laughs> I preferred it in the last episode where he was rocking more of a like oh my god what's his name from Criminal Minds oh um Reed yeah where well, he's rocking more of a Reed flicky hair look well so I meant like He's starting to style it more. Okay, yeah. No, I'm with you. The styling is happening. <laughs> it is yeah. occurring. I agree with you. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> with re- recent pictures of Jensen, I just, I wish Dean had grown out his hair. Right. Right. That would be so good. <laughs> right. Because getting, it's not being funny, but living on the road and getting a haircut that often, it's not actually very realistic. They do it themselves. I know they do it themselves. Well, yeah. But who, so who cuts Dean's hair? He does. He does it to himself. No way. No way does it look that even if he cuts his hair himself. <laughs> he has a short back and sides. There is no way. Either Sam cuts his hair or he is going regularly to a barber. <laughs> no way that man cuts his own hair. Oh no, if you do it long enough. No, I will never believe that. That is not my head cut out of <laughs> we all know it's a makeup artist so it doesn't count <laughs> I know okay well that was a tragic episode for no other reason to be tragic to be honest <laughs> which is kind of nah <laughs> um, but yeah so no rest for the wicked we'll do the season finale then we'll have our little wrap up we'll give you a little treat with our gag reel and then we're going to have a break before we go into season four. Yeah. To give you a sort of a little schedule of what's coming up in the next few weeks. <laughs> Thank you to the Pixel Agora for our lovely uh, podcast art. You can get that design on many different things on our Redbubble store. A portion of the profits go to them um, if you 
buy something from our store. I, I have an actual real life recommendation for the tote bag because I took it somewhere and a lady told me it was extremely mysterious. Oh. <laughs> she used that word and I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. There you go. And a little anecdote for you. You can also find us on all the social medias, uh, Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Leave us a comment, subscribe. We put the episodes a week later, um, so they're a week behind. Just search Escaping Purgatory Podcast and come say hi. Let us know about the injustices of Bella Talbot or Abby. No last name. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) So this week, and our walk through Purgatory... Uh, we came across some do- dodgy surgery happening and then we kind of like sideswiped that. And we also had a very tearful conversation on the phone and then decided that, that was kind of crappy too. So ultimately, we righted some wrongs. We <laughs> <laughs> we had a little argument around the campfire and hopefully next week uh, we can find our way out. Bye. Bye. Bye.